You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunst along with... Cindy Jennings. We are coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, from our studio, which is the gathering space of St. James Catholic Church on the St. James campus of Stella Mars Academy. And uh, we had a great straight talk, a number of good questions. I always like to try and poke out the idea of questions. I want, I want, I kind of like to be politicized. Uh, I like politics a little bit, so I like to encourage people with some of those questions just because it's my passion. But uh, anyhow, a lot of good questions. And now we go on to our next guest, which is a guest I'm excited to talk to. And his name is Zach Bennett. Zach, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, well, I am a husband and a father, primarily. I've been married to my wife, Nikki, for about 11 years. And we've got four kids, ages nine, six, three and a half, and five months old. Professionally, I'm a biology instructor at Lake Spirit College. And in my private life, I enjoy mountain biking, gardening, sailing, and playing with too much intensity at church league softball. So ah, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty well you're you, you are. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but we want the intensity in church softball. We I suppose. Cuz we want we want to beat those other churches. That's true. Especially the Protestants. Uh, naturally. Yeah, so uh, so we Catholics are all into I think I'm intense in softball as well. But that has now come to to pass and we're not uh, doing softball anymore. But anyhow, so um uh, so yeah, I know, you know, I mean, Zach, I've known you for quite a long time. Uh, uh, because of maybe you know, your background in regards to your faith life and how your faith was in your earlier years. Maybe speak a little bit about your, your faith journey and how you got to this point. Sure, sure. And then how our lives interacted a little bit in yeah. your earlier years. Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface it. I'm, I'm 38 years old, and I've known you for probably 20 years. Yeah. About that or so, yeah. Um, I came from a small town, and uh, the Catholic faith was very much part of the family culture, extended family culture. Uh, we had some very uh, heavy-hitter prayer matriarchs and patriarchs in the family, grandma, grandpa, and the extended family. That was just part of what we did as part of the culture that I grew up in. Um, and my parents, too, were, you know, good, good uh, representatives of what it means to be a, a disciple of Christ. And, um, but I would say that, um, just so people know, so where I'm at now is I'm, I'm actually in what's called the aspirancy program for for studying for the diaconate for uh, the Diocese of Duluth. And in the grand scheme of things, and, and it's a six-year total process, I'm only at year two, so I'm really a nobody, I'm nobody <laughs> of any importance. But, but I just want to share my story on, on why I would even be open to um, a possibility to the call. And we haven't even announced it to the parish officially. I know, you're outing me, man. <laughs> I know, well, that's okay, that's okay. But um, anyway, but as, as a kid in our parish, um, we started praying that vocations prayer that Archbishop uh, Schnur wrote, and, and that was the first time vocation came up week after week after week, mm-hmm. instead of just maybe one random homily during the year. And so as a parish, we started praying for people, you know, for holy marriages and an increase in religious vocations. But then also just uh, that openness as a family, you know, as individuals to say yes to whatever call God was calling us to. And that's when I probably first started hearing about permanent diaconate, Uh, you know, started questioning, you know, what is that? Uh, I I had some very pious aunts growing up who always thought I should be a priest. Um, My dad, he encouraged it as well. And and, and to a degree, I was open to that, as you know. Um, But I would say it was within that that line of the vocations prayer that... uh, I started to waken up to this idea that God has a grander plan for my life than what I could dream of. So you went to college, and you got very active in the whole Catholic life of your college, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and thanks be to God, I had some very good friends who 
really showed me the face of Jesus in a time of life where I really needed the face mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, but, you know, I was open to that. Like the year before I entered college, I actually got in a really bad car accident. Uh, my, my, my mom was with me, and it was one of those situations where we walked out with hardly a scratch, but we should have been dead. Mm-hmm. And that really woke me up to, uh, to the goodness of God and the gift of life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that set me up for entering into college, I think, on the right step. And then, yes, uh, the Lord really provided some wonderful, wonderful friends in college where we could practice our faith and grow in it, really come to know the ins and outs of it, yeah, as, as a college student. Uh, so, so how did vocation play a role at that moment in your life? Yeah, so, you know, as college progressed, uh, a couple of my friends, well, one in particular, we both started toying with the ideas, the Lord asking us to consider entering the seminary. And, uh, and you were the vocations director at the time, so we got to know you in a particular right. way. Um, and, and at the end of college, we ended up entering the seminary. And... Um, which is, I, uh, my best friend, Father Ben Hadrich, he continued on. He was ordained, and I was there long enough for the photo shoot at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on the vocation poster. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, one of those, yeah, all right. So I wasn't in the seminary very long, but I like to say I was long enough there to have my picture taken. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but, but it was a good and blessed time because I got to know, I got to pray, I got to, um, in some ways, you know, kind of get stripped down from maybe the idea that I was like, I was a good guy. I had my faith figured out and it really kind of helped lead me in better formation um, to to just come to know the Lord in a particular way in that time. I, I, um, I left seminary, but then I was, a, I was a youth minister here in town for four years. I was going to do it for six months uh, until I figured out my life, but uh, I, I enjoyed parish life. I enjoyed serving. I enjoyed uh, teaching and I just enjoyed it was just very life-giving to be able to participate in the life of the church as a youth minister, and so I stuck with it for four years. Yeah. So maybe if I just so I, I do come into the picture a little bit yeah. as your vocation director, and and uh, so I'm at so for those of you that don't know Duluth, Duluth is we always call it West and East, and uh, Zach and his family here, uh, his wife Nikki and the kids lived in West Duluth. I got moved to West Duluth here in. Uh, uh, in 2018, and I knew that you were in town, or this part of town, mm-hmm. and you were in a parish that was in a different part of town. And, and I remember talking to you, it's like, well, Zach, it's like, you know, you guys are in my area, why don't you consider coming to St. James? Because at that point, you know, as as the former vocation director and pastor, and knowing you and knowing your, uh, your skills and your, you know, th- that's what I'd say, your, your skills and your sensi- liturgical sensibilities, I saw in you uh, um, a potential good helper in parish life. And so maybe you can, can I kind of challenge you a little bit at that point? Yeah, yeah. And I would say my wife and I, we have been open to that, knowing that it could be a possibility that our pastor could tap us on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and ask us to consider it. But even to switch parishes, I guess that's where my point was. Yeah, I think we were also just kind of waiting for the right time to make Mm -hmm. the move. Our kids attend this school and it's seven minutes from our home. And we were also at a point in time where it was really hard to drive across town. Right. We really liked our other parish, mm-hmm. but we also realized with little kids, it's hard to get involved right. with your parish when you're so far away. Right. And we had the desire to be involved at the parish level and yeah. really just bring the gospel to our neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I remember a question, uh, I remember talking, because I, I, this was really big in my mind because I was new here and okay. I knew you were in the neighborhood. And I remember saying to you, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if, how I exactly I said it, I said, I said to you, Zach, I think you might have a call to the diaconate, but I can't have you be a deacon candidate if you're not here, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so, uh, do you remember that conversation? I do. 
Yeah, I mean, vaguely, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, one benefit of me being at the other parish before I came, it was the witness of good and joyful deacons. Yeah. Like deacons who were really thriving in their vocations. Right, right. Um, yeah, and so, so I would say it was good of... It, that was a really good experience to be at that other parish for a while for that witness. Absolutely. Because it definitely, you know... Um, it set it set both Nikki and I up to uh, to just be ready if if the Lord would you know ask us to consider even exploring right. that call. and call goes both ways you know as the for, as vocation director for eleven years and for me as Bishop Sherwood always say you know discernment is not just the young man right. discernment is the church as right. well and so I clearly saw in you this this guy's got a call I think he's got a call you know and so uh, that was my standpoint in talking to you it's like okay. I need help at St. James. I'm new here. The parish, you know, could could use you here. And so I'm grateful that you and Nikki discerned that that was the right yeah, thing well, to do. Yeah, well, you know, either way, Nikki and I were, Nikki served on net ministries before she right, went off the call. Right. So she kind of has a, a ministry background mm-hmm. or a desire to serve the church too. And uh, we just knew that in our marriage, we wanted to be active members of our of our parish we wanted to bring the gospel to our neighborhood and we wanted to be of service to however the church needed us mm-hmm. and if that's as dedicated lay people amen mm-hmm. and if it happened to be you know god god will tell us right in the next right. six years or so right, right, right. If, if it's permanent diaconate then amen but either way uh, yeah. just an openness to whatever brings so, him glory to go back to when you were in you know when you were trying to be a priest like what made you leave what were you thinking and did you think oh maybe i'll maybe someday look into being a deacon or how did that kind of stop that journey maybe the 30 second answer is um seminary life was good for formation and i loved the priesthood but i could tell that the call wasn't mine i could see the beauty of it but it would have been like grasping at something that really wasn't offered to me okay um That's good. and and just yeah. being okay with that mm-hmm. yeah and then you know the default is when you leave seminary they're like oh you'll be a permanent deacon you're like that's a completely <laughs> different discernment process mm-hmm. and a completely different state of life so um yeah i guess that's well, you got all. a beautiful family you got a beautiful just life and yeah. this is just an added beauty it's just wonderful i just love it i love seeing you guys going to church with all the kids so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited yeah. uh, so i mean uh we're we're gonna go on break here in just a minute but uh, uh after that i want to talk a little bit more in regards to what your um what the steps are what you've been doing so far in the diaconate process and and how you would envision if it is indeed uh god's call that you are deacon what you would envision yourself uh, as a, as a deacon, what kind of role you would take in that? But we'll we'll talk about that after this. After uh, we take a brief break here, in uh, how, how, let's take the break right now. Okay, let's. Presidential. Stay with us. There's more real presence live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. One of, the, one of the roles that Real Presence Radio fills is it actually serves as a vehicle of the ministerial church in connecting with its own people. Mm-hmm. You know, right. as Paul and I both work at a diocesan office, 
so many of the things that go on at the diocesan level get um, they get recognition. They get people are become aware of what's taking place through Real Presence Radio. That's right, and, yeah. and that's really an important part too. It's it's a way that Bishop Folda and all the bishops of mm-hmm. real, the regions covered by Real Presence Radio that they can communicate with their people and and make them aware of the way that the church is serving them of opportunities that they have. And as a director of communications, I rely on Real Presence Radio. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful team effort. We have our New Earth magazine that we use to evangelize. We have our, our social media. But we also have that teamwork with Real Presence Radio to get the word out. And uh, Real Presence Radio, it's, it's vital to, uh, to communicating. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Indeed, you are listening to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with Cindy Jennings, and we are coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth. Our guest this half hour is Zach Bennett. Zach is a... uh, uh, a diaconate candidate for the Diocese of Duluth, also a very active member of St. James Parish. And Cindy's got a great question for her. Yeah, so, uh, well, first of all, where where were you from? Because I don't think I got that. So where was all the praying and the family and the kind of beginning? Sure. Thing? I'm I'm from the diocese originally, from Sandstone, which is okay. about an hour south of Duluth. Okay. And I uh, came up to Duluth for college, and I found a job, never left. Married a local, right? Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, that is a good deal. We're glad to have you. And uh, so maybe if you could just speak on the journey of, so now that you're here, um, the support of your family, what do you, what's your journey look like with that support? Sure. So primarily, you know, the, my primary support is my wife, right? I need her support in all of this and, and Nikki's openness to pursuing this. Uh, potential call is paramount, right? Without her support, it doesn't go anywhere. It just doesn't go anywhere. Um, and then also, you know, there are there are just demands of of what a vocation weekend or what a formation weekend would look like. In in the early on process, so last year was the very first year, and this year it's only a day long, once a month. So it's really not that hard to uh, get friends or family to help us out. Uh, it, the real challenge will be in the next four years. Um, that's what they call formation, the last four years. And that's a full weekend that you're away with your spouse um, for formation as well. But right now, it's been great. My my parents and my in-laws both live within an hour away. And uh, we've had friends actually come forward and say, hey, we want to be supportive to you and Nikki in this process. So why don't we get our our kids together so they can get to know each other? And then you can leave them with us while you go to formation. Oh, that's so great. It's so great. It's just overwhelming, like the... Just the generosity of people. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, our Catholic Moms Group, I'm sure any of them would be like, come it, it's, on It's in, been great. It, it's... Really, people do come out of, out of you know, the, wanting to show their support. And 
the hardest part I'd say is just with having smaller kids, younger kids, is ma- making certain that they're comfortable with the people. Nikki and I know these people. We trust them. We love them. Uh, but, it, you know, having your, your kids feel safe and want to spend the day with them, you know. And so it takes a little legwork getting there. So, yes, we are feeling supported in this process. So when you go through the the process, when you're meeting with the diocese in regards to discerning the whole diaconate thing, I know that the spouse is a big part of that. Maybe yeah. you can speak, you, you already spoke a little bit to it about Nikki being your main support. Maybe speak a little bit of how the diocese or the church says it's important for your spouse to be on, on board with this. It's, it's so important that there are actually two, two times during the formation process where the wife signs publicly that she gives her permission for her husband to enter into formation. And if that doesn't happen, you're done. You, you like you, your primary vocation is your marriage, you know. A permanent diaconate would be your secondary vocation, and so if, if your primary vocation suffers because you want to pursue a secondary vocation, well, the church in her wisdom says, "Uh, uh-uh, that's that's a no go." Yeah. So, so you've done. You're in your second year. Mm-hmm. So maybe speak a little bit. At least how our diocese does this. What was first year like? I know you said, well, you know, one afternoon a month, but maybe go a little bit more in specifics. What was the first year called? What's this year called? And how does it look? How do they look different? Sure. Just a a snapshot. The whole process is six years. Year one is called inquiry. Year two, aspirancy. And then the last four years are called formation. So last year was inquiry. Inquiry, we met from about nine in the morning till about two in the afternoon um, down at the pastoral center. And we had reading assignments that we would then discuss. You could think of it as uh, having a set of discussion questions. You do your reading, and you would spend that time going through. And we spent the year going through um, the adult catechism put out by the USCCB. So people might have it in their bookshelf as a red cover on it. Uh, and we'd have a reading assignment from that, plus then a particular book on the diaconate. It was called the deacon reader and so we'd read a chapter from that those a series of essays on the diaconate to learn more particulars about what what the call of the deacon is and what that looks like and then again we would spend the time in discussion over that as well uh, i should also back up that my class is i guess unusually big and we have we have six um, men so six couples including myself in in that class and it's we we range in age from I'm one of the younger ones I'm 38 and I think there's another guy in there who's a little bit younger but it's kind of same state in life mm-hmm. uh, but I would say it's pretty common to see uh, empty nesters you know people who or maybe their kids are in their later years of of high school so how does th- how does this year differ than last year for you yeah it's, it's just a longer day so it's still one day aspirancy is one day and it goes from nine in the morning till about four four thirty in the afternoon. Uh, and, but again, it's just that one one day, so it's very manageable. We have uh, the reading assignments are more intense, is a little more like school, um, but that shouldn't scare people off because if you like to learn about your faith, if you like to discuss, you know, things that matter most, um, and, and in company where people just want to be the people that God called them to be, it's it's pretty enriching. Yeah, I'm, I come from kind of a, an academic background anyway, so it's kind of my gig. I like to read books. I like to discuss things. Um, and my wife also shares, I'd say, that personality or that charism of, of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I at one time, I it's kind of weird, but George wanted to be a deacon. Really? Which was my husband who passed away. So that would have been kind of interesting because just to hear all the process that you go through, you know, so prayers for you. And I'm so glad that God is kind of answering prayers for us. I mean, we've been saying that prayer. Your class is full, so that's amazing. You know, we're thriving, and so I, I really 
just can't wait. And I don't know, can you speak to what's ahead as far as, um, would you be the deacon of this church? Yeah. Or what, I mean, speak what to would that, be maybe. the first, I don't know. Well, God willing, you get ordained. God willing, you get ordained, right? Nobody's, <laughs> yes. we're not presuming we anything, sure. right? Yeah. Right, right. right. Um, but yeah, a parish can have more than one deacon. And I would say that our, our current deacon here, shout out to Deacon Lyle Johnson. He and I have become good friends in this process. And he's been so encouraging, he and his wife, Amy. Uh, I would say he's been another one to, to give me just that gentle nudge of, have you considered this? You know, bring this to your prayer life. Uh, and, and he's just been just a terrific role model Mm -hmm. for me in that process. So yeah, you can have more than one deacon at a parish. My assumption would be that I would be here. That's up, that's up to the bishop, but typically you're at your home parish. And then, you know, if your parish is just overwhelmed with deacons, then right, he might start to, (laughs) which has happened to a parish in our town, right? Uh, They start to, you know, distribute them out to parishes that could, could use that extra help. Yeah. Which could happen because we're kind of low on the on the priest part, right? Yeah, but, I mean, a deacon's ministry and a priest's ministries are, are very, very different. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, yes. but obviously, deacons should be very helpful to their pastors. That's a big part of it. And so, you know, maybe that's a good segue. You know, I mean, you've had a lot of exposure to the permanent diaconate. A lot of guys in the last parish and Lyle here in this parish. You see what different things they do and what their gifts are that they bring to their ministry. What would you envision now? four and a half plus years out, God willing, you are ordained. Where would you see, if it were to pass, your ministry focus on just where you are standing right now in the year 2021? might be very different the day you get ordained. Right, right. But looking at right now, what do you see yourself drawn to mostly in the diaconate? Yeah, uh, a couple parts. I say, because I teach professionally, I say I naturally have those that skill set. And so that would be that would be a natural avenue, I guess, to share with the church in a more formal way. And, uh, you know, that's very common of deacons to to serve in, in a teaching role within the parish. Um, I would, you know, I've, I've always had like a love for the elderly. Even as a kid, like we, my family after mass, we would go to the nursing home and we would visit with our old um, babysitters. And then once they pass away, we'd meet with their roommates. And then, you know, we get to know other people. So I do have this, this, um, I don't know, love for the elderly. So is I could, that why you're always more affectionate towards me? I don't know if I like this. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wiping the drool off your chin. Yeah. <laughs> Doing you a favor. Right, right. Well, uh, but, I mean, you can teach now. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a deacon to, to you teach. You don't, no. No. And then liturgically, too. I... I um, I, I love I love the liturgy. You know, it's it, um, I love the idea of uh, of dignified liturgy, drawing our hearts to the Lord. Um, How about preaching? I mean, that's a, that's different. That's that's not teaching. Right, right. Um, you know, the, yeah. because because I don't preach, uh, it's hard for me to say. Yeah, that'd be that'd be right up my avenue. But I mean, I, I speak publicly for a living, right, as a teacher. So. If if the skill sets are similar, I could see that I would be okay in that, right? Yeah. In in that, I mean, more so than other people's skill sets. There's a there's a, in all the deacons I've worked with. There's always this there's always this um, line that they have to walk in regards to not letting the secondary vocation take over the first. Yeah. So it's like you know that because of your gifts and your talents that you would probably be called on a fair amount as a deacon. And so, how do you envision yourself this juggling act? I have a very good wife who is close <laughs> to the Lord. Uh, I really do use Nikki as my barometer, you know, and um, because she has a very she has a, a 
she has a mature prayer life, and, and I trust her relationship with the Lord, and, I, and we have good open communication in our marriage as well. Um, and so, balance is really important in our marriage to begin with, and so uh, I, I just kind of trust where she is at in, in maintaining that open communication, making sure that we're not overtaxing the family by ministry to the secondary vocation. Mm-hmm. Oh. He'll make sure that he doesn't take over your homilies. He's not going to do better than you. He's not. Oh, you that bad. is so nice of you to say. <laughs> oh. He's got like a hundred years know. of experience on me. So. Oh, I do have some experience. Yeah. I know his are quick and short. Yeah. I could see yours being a little bit longer and more deeper. Yeah, I think you'd be very good at it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah, start. Time, I'll, I'll start praying tell. for you on all of it, but you know. Just remember, brevity is a virtue. It is. Yeah, anyone can ramble. Yeah, exactly, and right. and know how to land the plane, whether yeah. it's early or, or late. <laughs> Just know how to land the plane. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, uh, what would you what would you say to a guy out there that's saying, "I could be a deacon"? Yeah, well, I would say, "How is your primary vocation doing?" If if you're a married man, really work hard to thrive in that so that you and your spouse are in a great place. Make sure that you're a man of prayer and a man of service within your own home. And then together, um, pray about how is God asking me to serve in our current state of life? If you've got young kids, you know, that might, that might really narrow down how you can serve. If, if Whatever your state of life is, right? Being open however God might be calling you. And if that might look... Um, if, if that means that you might have an interest in what the diaconate is, just talk to a deacon or talk to your vocations director. Just have a cup of coffee because nobody's going to slap a collar on you and, you know, commit you to vows. It's, mm-hmm. it's a long process for a reason. And it's uh, quit thinking about yourself so much because the church has to discern with you and your, your wife has to discern with you too and, um, and take, take comfort in that. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it's not a snap decision. No. No, and it's and it's not you know holy orders. It's it's a beautiful vocation, but it's not an award for piety. You know, it's it's not a Catholic merit badge that you can earn. Mm. So, so praise God, whatever He is asking you to do, if it's in holy orders or as a dedicated layperson, praise the Lord. Those those vocations are all complementary, and and they bring such beauty to the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great. Uh, Great words, Zach, and I. Um, uh, I appreciate your coming on and sharing a little bit about your faith journey and the journey through this now diaconate program that you are uh, discerning with your wife and, and the church. And so, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. Pleasure. All right, and we'll be talking about you having more roles in the parish too, just as an FYI. <laughs> Although we already talked about that this morning. That's true. Anyhow, uh, uh, thanks again, Zach. And when we get back from this short break, we'll be talking to somebody from the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 